Modern healthcare is complex, and the search for solutions can be just as tricky. With so many solutions and approaches out there, we wanted to provide a little guidance and hear some interesting stories along the way. That's why we started Bonding Over Benefits. I'm Libby, your host. Join us for conversations with benefit industry experts as they share insights, experiences, and solutions to improve the benefits and healthcare experience. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first podcast ever. I'm super excited to welcome all of you here. Um, I'm also super excited for our first two guests. We have Justin and Doug, who are the co-founders of HealthJoy. Hi, Justin. Hi, Doug. Hey, Libby. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. How's it going? Good. 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 Coming off the holidays, feeling... uh, somewhat refreshed also <laughs> kind of glad they're over <laughs> but um but you know ready excited for 2024 yeah i feel the same way super excited to be launching this podcast at the beginning of 2024 um and super excited to be launching it with the two of you it feels like the perfect way to kick this off so why don't we start with both of you giving your backgrounds and then you can talk a little bit about starting health joy Whoever wants to go first. Justin, do you want to go? Sure, I'll go first. Um, So, well, I'll start first. Doug and I met in high school. So we were, uh, we, I met uh, Doug in video class uh, my junior year um, in in high school in Tampa, Florida, uh, where my dad was military. So I moved moved around a bunch, but uh, Doug was a, a clear water native, which is just next door to Tampa. But, you know, after that, I went to school at MIT. Um, after school, I started my first business. That was a, a loyalty business, um, software company based in Boston. Uh, worked, did that for you know three years, and then ended up um, working. Uh, was acquired by Rakuten, uh, the Japanese e-commerce company. Worked with them um, in Tokyo for for about a year, and then uh, Doug and I went sailing actually uh, through the Caribbean for a year together, uh, which was super fun. I'll let Doug get more details there. We started our next uh, next business, uh, which was called Open Install. It was an ad tech platform uh, that we did out of San Francisco and ended up selling that business to AVG, security business, security company uh, based in Europe. Did that for a couple of years and then um, kind of kind of part of ways away for a little bit and then ended up um, kind of falling into healthcare. I had a tore my ACL and was trying to figure out how not to hit my deductible getting through MRIs and the whole thing. And it was uh, it was fascinating to see on top of an Obamacare plan, like, wow, it's really, really challenging to use this insurance. It's, uh, and it, supposedly hundred million people were gonna have this insurance in 2025. And I was like, this is a nightmare for me to use. I'm pretty good at Google and I can't figure it out. How cause anyone else are gonna figure it out. Um, and at, it was like, hey, you know, hubris, whatever, like, oh, it must be super easy. We can just take tech and fix healthcare um, in the US. Uh, that was 10 years ago. And just reminded how wrong I am every single year of that premise. Um, and uh, and then yeah, you know, ten years later, obviously a little bit different. But um, but that's you know kind of the overall background. A lot of tech, and and now still a lot of tech, but but some other things now as well. Yeah, Doug. Hey, I didn't know that you guys had owned other companies together. So that's super interesting to hear. Yeah, yeah, we Sorry. we we had time together a lot. Yeah, you know that I think we. we we knew that we could get along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Second, second time working together. I took a, a slightly different path. Um, although, you know, I think, I think back to 
you know, early on, definitely um, not surprising that I went the entrepreneurial route. I mean, growing up, it was like, I always had a business every summer, whether it was like car detailing, boat detailing, et cetera. I started a, a book reselling business in, in college. Um, but, but ultimately, um, I did investment banking, uh, mergers and acquisitions for a number of years at Raymond James. Always knew that I wanted to build companies, um, but wanted to, to do that first, which I thought, you know, was a, was a great uh, kind of start and um, way to really understand how businesses work. Um, and um, at the same time, I uh, was determined uh, to, uh, to go on a big sailing trip. Um, which Justin mentioned and um, bought a sailboat when I was 25 and uh, rebuilt it over the course of two years. Uh, while I was still doing investment banking, it worked out perfectly where Justin had had just sold um, his uh, his first company, Free Cause, and we got to slack off and go sailing throughout the Caribbean for a year and probably not enough time for all the stories uh, from that trip, but uh, it was a great time. And obviously we got to to know each other that much better. Uh, never, you know, expected to really end up working in um, healthcare insurance or benefits. Uh, but as soon as, you know, Justin and I started talking in 20, this is probably mid 2013, and really kind of understanding uh, the challenges that were faced by the consumer, uh, just the industry overall, and I would say a lack of, um, focus from technology companies just became obsessed with the idea that we could really build bleeding edge technology to help the consumer, to help them, you know, navigate their healthcare experience and um, utilize higher quality, lower cost care. I love that. I think there are so many people in the industry that probably wanted to do that, but didn't know where to begin. So it's, I mean, it's the reason why I came to HealthJoy, honestly, it was because I was passionate about what HealthJoy was doing. So super exciting to hear where it all began. Can we talk a little bit more about what the company started as and what it's evolved into? Yeah. So to kind of go back, you know, to 20, you know, you have to get the time, time machine. Let's go back to 2013. Right there was, um, you know, the ACA was was a new concept, Affordable Care Act, um, that you know we have. A, there's a lot of um, individuals in the United States that are uninsured, and legislation was passed to say, hey, you know, this is how do we help uh, get health insurance coverage for for everyone here uh, to, to interact with the healthcare system in a way that is sustainable, you know, and regardless of what we think politically about it, um, ultimately. You know, we, we do believe that healthcare is a base, should be a basic human right, regardless of, of whatever you think on the politics perspective. And so our job, we saw our job is how do we apply technology and, you know, specifically consumer, you know, best in class consumer technology, which we saw as missing across effectively the entire vertical of healthcare is that it really didn't exist. There wasn't really consumer grade technology in healthcare at the time. And especially now you have this whole new um, segment um, of insurance that is really primed for it because it's consumer-driven health plans, you know, the CDHPs that were all um, on these ACA, you know, on the on the exchanges. And so it's like, hey, how do we, how do I take, you know, kind of what what I've learned for 10 years doing tech um, in the, uh, in a high performance environment, 
um, in how do we apply it um, into healthcare? And you know, so you know, basically we we started at the beginning, and every every single company I've ever started has always been in this in a house. <clears throat> you get in a house, you know, it, like we're we're you live in it, and because you will be working. You know, it's you're working all day and all night, all, all day, all <laughs> night. There is no when people are like, oh, you work. Oh, I worked 100 hours this week. I'm like, you actually do work 100 hours plus every single week because you just never take any time off. You're just always working. Um, obviously, that's not sustainable long term, but you kind of it's kind of has to be that criticality um, that happens at the beginning of any business. And, and I believe that you have to, you know, criticality like a nuclear fusion, you have to stick it. Everything has to be really, really close and hot. And it has to be has to come together in order for there to be, um, you know, some sort of event. And so that's what we did. And you know, we 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 lived there, and we had a, had a team overseas um, in Ukraine. And you know, I was going back and forth. Doug was there um, in in the office, in, and this was based in Chicago because our first partner was Go Health, that did a lot of the online health insurance um, legion at the time. And you know, the first couple of years, we you know, it was hand to hand combat. And trying to, you know, I knew, I knew how to, we knew how to build tech, but then how do you distribute inside of healthcare? Um, you know, really, ACA was the first time you could kind of do it at a consumer level, because it, you know, as we know, most of its employer-sponsored healthcare. And so, you know, Doug, I, you know, can give some stories about that hand-to-hand combat on the distribution side. Yeah, yeah, the distribution. I think distribution in healthcare is so unbelievably important. I was just going to go back quickly to kind of initially how it started i think we the the concept of care navigation um hadn't really kind of flourished into what it is today and of course there's there's many different players in the space it was also at the time you know 2013 2014 virtual care was just starting to emerge and the idea that you could connect with a physician over the phone get a diagnosis maybe get a prescription was was very new um, and, and ultimately, what we saw was that care navigation, you know, in 2014 was essential. But really, in the future, as care goes more from brick and mortar to a hybrid care system where there's, yes, there is brick and mortar care, but there's also a lot more being done virtually, it's going to be that much more important that you have navigation to help understand what you know place of service should I use? How how do I um, make the best decision based on on uh, my my current my health situation, the benefits that are that are offered to me? Um, so I just wanted to add that because I, I do think that was kind of an, an important um, way that we looked at at the overall market. Um, but but yeah, going back to kind of the the distribution piece. Uh, you know, we worked very closely uh, with Go Health. Their agents, they actually so at the same time that they were selling an individual insurance plan uh, to a single consumer or to a, you know a family, they were also selling our product on top of that. Ultimately, to help you know these individuals navigate their Obamacare plan, which in some cases had a six thousand dollar deductible, and these were individuals who had never had insurance before. And so really didn't understand kind of the basic tenets of what's a network, what's a formulary, you know, the the disparity of costs depending on which, you know, uh, 
location you go to for your MRI. So those are just a few examples of where, you know, we really had a, um, a, a population that was in great need of, of help um, in making their, their healthcare decisions. And that's really where, where we cut our teeth uh, for the first, call it two years, three years. Um, and, and I think I know that it absolutely had a key role in uh, developing our DNA as being so member-centric, so focused on driving value to the members, so reliant on really engaging the member to be able to drive value. Uh, and, and that has kind of carried through um, over the course of time, even as we've evolved and um, you know, moved into the employer space, really being focused on the member as the center of our universe very early on has been really a key component that has led to our success over the course of time. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, in my time machine, I'm still in 2013. You know, it's like the iPhones, right? They were like, the I don't know, it was like an iPhone 3 or something, yeah. right? So you have to understand that, yeah. yeah, you like this was just the beginning of like, wait a second, you could talk to a doctor on your phone? Like, whoa, that's so cool. And especially the population we were talking to never had any concept of that, oh, wow, you could actually you know, do things digitally um, at that point. And so I think we saw that also as a, as a massive, like, you know, a tailwind for us in order to apply a digital solution into something that um, had so predominantly been done in, 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 in offices. So can you talk about when you decided to make the switch to employer? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, effectively, I think the, wouldn't say it was entirely driven by politics, um, but politics definitely played a, a very, very uh, large role um, into into the decision that, you know, clearly there was not a lot of consensus within within the within the House or Senate on how to fund, um, you know, how to fund the um, the uh, the AC in a way that would provide the sustainability for it to be a a full replacement uh, for care. And you know, that really I'd say that transpired over, you know, twenty between twenty fifteen and 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 early yeah. twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I think that the and there was just a lot of challenge direct to consumer in that stage there was it was a you know it's a population that's hovering above medicaid and it's really really challenging it's really really hard um and so i think that between where we saw the writing on the wall which ended up coming true um once once that legislation was or really defunding of it effectively um that it became much even harder to distribute like the like there was just no way for us to even possibly distribute into that channel um in an effective manner um, that we had to had to find a replacement. I think we we probably, you know, I think we were somewhat ahead of the curve. I would say we probably had about you know say nine to twelve months to to work on the technology to help pivot over to employer. You know, we were incredibly fortunate that um, the 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 it was a very similar. You know, that that servicing an employee was no service no different than serving an individual. Which yes, okay, not a big. Uh, not a big like you know brain jump to think that from the mobile app perspective right so like the experience is you as the individual actually is relatively the same regardless of if you're on aca plan or employer plan the challenge was then is like okay well we just spent a couple of years figuring out how to do hand-to-hand -hand combat with consumers now we have to go figure out how to go distribute into into benefit consultants and and work with brokers 
because ultimately what we found was it wasn't the, you know, the brokers were putting together the strategies um, for these uh, for these customers. And we saw that they had a huge appetite to be innovative, a huge appetite to bring in all these new solutions. Um, but there wasn't something that helped tie it together. There wasn't a glue that helped fuse an experience ultimately at the um, at the employee level. Um, but that was really t- like 2015, 2016. We probably went live, you know, with our first customer, our first employer customers. Um, one one twenty seventeen. One one twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, so we had, uh, and you know, it was, and, but you know, the Doug was Doug was a central part on trying to figure out that distribution cycle over that time. Yeah, twenty sixteen was. Um, you know, you think about as I think back about what were the what were the darkest times. Uh, you know, personally, I I'd say, um, you know, for both of us. Uh, you know, really being focused on a certain market and and having distribution with the individual and being like, okay, like that that is no longer there. Um, and really having to learn what employer benefits was all about. Uh, what is a broker? what's what's important to them? How do we best serve them? How do we work with them? Um, and having to, you know, not only change, I'd say retool the product and how it worked, um, but also convince our team that the change we were doing was the right one. Um, and so that was that was a really trying year. I think, um, you know, I I definitely I think the only thing that helped was I really had confidence that it was the it was the right change. It was and it was also a very necessary change. It wasn't like we had the option to stay where we were. Uh, and uh, you know, it was it was a matter of having a ton of conversations with brokers, with uh, HR, and really trying to understand how do we how do we take this technology and service that we've built and you know modify it, retool it ultimately to a a benefits package versus an individual you know with a medical plan uh, to be able to provide the most value. Um, one of the things that was, uh, I, I would say, attractive about it was a employer market, obviously much larger than the individual market at that time. You know, call it 100 million um, uh, or 150 million people, um, and the idea that we could have a entire workforce with the same medical plan, or maybe only two or three medical plans across 100, 300, 1,000 people. For us, that was like, wow, that's great because historically, almost every single one, you know, most of our members had different plans in the individual space. So we had incredible, we were going from an incredible amount of variability in terms of plan design to much more consistency, uh, which, you know, I, I think that was that was attractive and we felt like would in some ways make it easier to uh, provide service at a higher level and, and a deeper understanding of the plan design, the networks um, to be able to provide better guidance. How big was the team at this time? That's a great question. And when we, 2017, probably 30? Yeah, I want to say 30, probably yeah. with, it was probably around 30 yeah. total. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to think of how many floors in that in that uh, in that apart in that place were completely full. It was every yeah. single floor. Every single floor had <laughs> every single floor had desks. Yeah. Um, at that you point, were we still, you were still like in a house at this point. Yeah. 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 We um, and just to give you, it was a four-story house. Justin and I had bedrooms on the top floor. One of which wasn't fully enclosed. Uh, which opened up, you know, down to the bottom floor, uh, which was some funny stories because I could hear literally everything happening on the third floor. Uh, but and and we had our team members in the house uh, from 6 a.m. to midnight, seven days a week, uh, because our our service team was was there um, at all times. So, yeah, we were we were in it, as they say. How do you find people? to work for you in the in the house that you're living in i'm curious like i'm imagining if i'm looking for a job yeah. if you tell me that the office that i'm going to go to is a house <laughs> i don't know if i would be interested in that <laughs> yeah it's think, funny it's i i was gonna say I, I think it was um a obviously people were signing up for the mission and, and felt that it, you know, they they 100% yeah. believed in the mission. So that was one thing. But I'd also say, you know, this was pre-Series A. And, you know, when you're signing up with, with a company that's, you know, seed stage, um, there's, it, it takes a certain type of mentality and an individual and who's, who's willing to, um, get in on the ground floor and just some of the things that come with that, such as working out of a house. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Did you feel like there was an appetite for that in Chicago? Like you hear about that out in California, but in Chicago, there's an appetite for that as well. I think so. There, I think there's yeah. some houses in downtown Chicago. <laughs> so we are basically the only one. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd say, I, yeah, I think that there's a, I mean, look, clearly I'm biased because that's the only way I've ever started a business. So uh, I can tell you in Boston, yes, in San Francisco, yes, and in Chicago, yes. Um, I have not had to try it anywhere else yet and probably won't have to, probably, probably will never, probably won't do it again. But the, um, yeah, I think there's an allure, right? It's like you're going in there, it's heavy team environment. Um, it's a, it's so easy to have, you know, you don't, you don't even think about culture because the culture is just like every, you know, you, you feel like you're on a, on a, like a really elite little sports team. That's all like crushing and, you know, and sweating with, with each other. I don't know. It's like, it's very, it's an incredibly high energy environment. So I think it's like when people, it attracts people who are also high energy. So when they see it, they're like, oh man, I want to be part of that. It's, it's, um, you know, I, I, I think it's actually, to be honest, probably, a uh, yeah a pot like you're going to get better candidates in that type of environment because those are the types of people you really want anyways because they're going to be um high energy initiative like like uh really really you know right willing to really kill themselves basically. right you have to really want it to be willing to do that i totally agree Correct. um so when did you when do you make the decision to get out of a house and into an office <laughs> <laughs> um really it was around that pivot you know soon after that pivot uh, we ended up moving like two doors down 
Uh, we got an office space about two doors down. And um, just, you know, because once we, we we basically got financing at a, a very similar time uh, for Chicago Ventures. So okay. clearly, you know, at that point, it was effectively self-funded. Um, and there was no way that uh, we we're going to self-fund a, uh, a B2B SaaS you know, software as a service company. Um, it's just an entirely different profile. You know, some cons consumer, consumer businesses, the ability to bootstrap is much, much easier. Cost, you know, the, the capital efficiency is much higher versus, you know, B2B SaaS. If you look at, if you look at the metrics, the average B2B SaaS IPO burns $100 million to get to $100 million in revenue and break even, right? Like it's, that's a, uh, it's a much different um, calculation from a perspective of how you do it. So we had to get financing and Chicago Ventures was there. And then at that point it's like, okay, probably should get an office. Um, and uh, and because we're gonna expand the team and because literally we could not fit enough people. We cannot fit any more people in this house. Uh, we, we were we were at the uh, we were at the physical limit of what we could actually, uh, of what we could I actually do. A funny story about that actually, I remembering um, I actually, I had to, when we got so, uh, big enough where there wasn't enough space. I actually had to take phone calls out of the tub in my bathroom <laughs> because that was the only place that was quiet. So it's a fun because uh, you're not going to go to the the roof for six months of the for six no. months of the year in uh in in Chicago, right? Yeah. It's uh yeah. it's it's far too cold. A lot of lot of good tub time. Let's switch gears just a little bit, just away from the location of where you were working. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you remember in starting the company? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes back to, you know, look, capital, um, capital is always like, you know, raising capital is always a, is never, is never fun, right? <laughs> like it's, you always, you always, when you read things, it's, it's, yeah, it, I, I think that there's a somehow some sort of mystique or some allure about it. And it's like, no, it's miserable. Like why? No, like, if you, and it's not good. You know, it's, it, you're diluting, you know, you're, you're diluting the team and, and that, right. Like you, you're raising money. It's, there's a lot of challenges that come with it. Um, and then, which I've, I think is always good has been the expectations are higher, which I, is, has, is, I think has always been a good thing. Um, it's a good thing to a point. Um, but, you know, I think beyond that, beyond the pivot that we mentioned and, and moving, you know, I think that you realize once you start getting a certain amount of scale with individuals with, and I think that <clears throat> when we started realizing that we had an, a, a capability, let's say, um, well, the challenges is that in our business, everyone goes live on one day, 80% of our businesses go live on one day. So it's Jan one, right? And when you're a, a you know an earlier stage business trying to understand how to do capacity planning to handle hey we have to hire these people if to have this cadence you know we have to be so thoughtful um and deliberate with planning so that we can deliver an incredible experience on that one day right and there's always challenges on that one day that that even now right it's like the idea that that you're going to go through and and have you know, you know, thousands of customers, all with brand new benefit designs. It's going to be perfect, and we aspire to perfection, uh, but it's really hard. And especially when you're a 
smaller stage business trying to get right. that right. So it's you know always the challenges were around Jan one, right? It was like it's crazy. And then I remember one specific thing I, I like I had, I was like oh we had we had our you know little AI chatbot, and I was like oh well, you know what I'll do we'll I'll I'll put in a uh, an additional question, um you know for uh, I can't remember what I asked Ask something about, uh, what something about prescriptions something about <laughs> medications but it was an infinite amount of you could put as many medications you wanted into it, and it was like. It was actually not just that. It was four questions. That's what it was. It was it was four questions, um, some kind of like a health assessment a little bit at the beginning. But the problem was is that our, we were so effective at getting people to like log in and do it. It was like a 95% of the people filled out all four of them or something like that, right? And so then our ticket volume went from like it 4Xed beyond what our capacity plan had had like thought. And I was like, Oh my God. I just remember I, I slept in the office for two days. This is when we were at uh, two, actually our current office. Um, it's like 20 by 2018. Um, I slept in the office two days on, on a bunk bed or on a, no, not on the bunk bed, on a whatever, uh, beanbag. And, and I remember I brought my, brought my desktop into the, into the conference room and I'm like, all right, I'm going to code my way out of this problem. And, um, we're going to, we're going to see how we can automate all this stuff. Um, and having to, you know, tell the team that I, you know, I, I'm the one who fucked up um, on that. And uh, that was that was a tough day because, you know, we obviously we want everyone had high expectations for what we're going to do for members. Um, but we, you know, you realize that, that you can't just when you're doing one small thing like that. And then it just is like, you know, great people use it, but you have to deliver an expectation back to a member um, in a way that's really, really, you know, focused. And that was. That was not that was not a great day. That was not a great week. Um, and that was, of course, mid-January, so it was like freezing outside and cold and snowing and gray and like, you know, the, you know, you, you, they, it's tough. You know, it's like kind of like actually this 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 week in Chicago. I'm sure it's you know it's kind of probably gray, a little bit cold, but uh, but yeah, that was tough. That was a tough day. Yeah, as I think about the challenges, definitely, um, you know, understanding the the seasonality and just getting used to that which every i think every company that you know plays in the the benefit space um has to figure that out and it does take years really um to be to get really good at the capacity planning i think you know definitely now i gosh we are um we've learned a lot and we, we you know we learned from our mistakes for sure uh i do think uh the channel in in our space is uh, a just so essential to success. Distribution is is everything, um, and you know the channel um, is also uh, a little bit unique in this space where you know we we work with so many different uh, benefit consultants and and brokers, and um, there's also in many channel-based businesses, you know, as, as a product company, you would be paying the channel. They would be taking, uh, you know, some sort of cut of, of the revenue when they're reselling. And in many cases, and, you know, we find that benefit consultants and, and brokers uh, are not interested in doing that um, for care navigation. Um, they're really bringing us in because you know, they are trying to deliver a better benefit strategy to their clients. Um, they're trying to differentiate um, and win business and, and retain business. 
and really just figuring out how all that works um, within the the brokerage space is also something that has taken years. Um, and I'll also say, like I'll admit, we haven't perfected it, uh, but it is something that we spend an incredible amount of time uh, trying to to think through. Um, and I do remember that, you know, if I think back to some of the breakthroughs we've had, um, I, I certainly remember uh, we hired our first salesperson in, uh, what was it, La, late 2017. Uh, we hired Dave Mallon. And Dave had come from the, the benefit space and had a broker network. Uh, and, you know, through him and going out on the road with him, really kind of understood, uh, I got a, a crash course in, you know, how brokers really think, what's important to them, how distribution works. Um, and then also just how to identify brokers that we felt like would be good fits as our partners. Um, and that was that was really an aha moment. Um, and and I would say really built the, the basis uh, for ultimately what fueled a lot of our, our growth over, you know, call it the past five or so years. Um, other challenges, uh, you know, I, I would say we we have a, a large team that was based, is still some based in Ukraine. Uh, and, you know, there's been, been a war um, going on there for uh, quite some time. And, you know, that um, there's a lot of things that you can plan for in a business. Wars are really hard one to plan for. Um, that I, I would say. And, and pandemics. And, and, <laughs> and Yeah, yeah, also. <laughs> Um, and, uh, let's hope 2024 is a little bit calmer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, it's been really hard on, on the team, uh, for, I would say obvious reasons. Um, and you know, there's, it takes, it's taken a lot of focus from so many team members internally to figure out how do we, how do we support that team, um, in, in the best way possible. Uh, and, and it's ongoing. Um, so that's definitely something, you know, no one, no one could foresee. Uh, and, you know, it's just been a part of our lives for, for some time now and not sure exactly how much longer it, it will. Yeah. Can you talk about, we'll take this to a little bit of a brighter note. Can you talk about the first sale that you made to an employer? Sure. Like, um, was one, was that you, Doug? Was Dave part of that? And yeah, how did you, like, I think everyone knows brokers are creatures of habit in a good way. They, they like to know that what they're, what they're giving their client is something that's reliable. Yeah. And trying something new is not always something that they're interested in doing. So how did you get buy-in for the first few clients? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And uh, man, that first sale took six months of uh, work a lot of, and a lot of discussions and, and a lot of no's, uh, frankly. Um, yeah. but, uh, but ultimately, 
our first client was was actually a brokerage agency called Barrents Management, uh, based out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I developed a, a relationship. I think I had, I had leveraged someone else who I knew to introduce me to someone there, and and started talking with them, and 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 ultimately just developed a personal relationship to build trust. Uh, I think they they believed in you know, the overall idea of care navigation, but, you know, at the same time, they, they kind of took a flyer on just frankly, knowing me and, and believing that we would, we would figure it out. Uh, and we launched them on January 1st of 2017. And I distinctly remember the week prior to that launch was a really stressful one, uh, because I can't say that we were, uh, you know, prepared. I mean, every, everything at, at that point in, in the business was just last minute. And we used every second of the last week of 2016 to get Barron's live on, on the 1st of January, 2017. Uh, but, you know, after that, um, you know, the next 10 clients came way faster. Um, it's just one of those things where your first is always the hardest. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's like that in any business. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get a little bit smarter, you get more confident and, and the dominoes just start falling. Um, and, you know, it's been like that, of course, over the last few years, you know, after the first 10 to get to a hundred clients, you know, came way faster and then 500 and then a thousand and 2000 and so on. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a real grind. Um, it took, I can say, left everything on the court, took everything we had to, uh, to get our first client and, um, and really those first 10, which I say the first 10, because that's ultimately, uh, when we were able to raise our series a with Chicago ventures, um, which they, I would say they also, um, took, a a risk. I think they believed, thank you, Stuart. Um, and team believed in, in Justin and myself that we were going to figure it out um, and uh, provide us really with the capital to be able to continue uh, and, and really kind of invest in that first team that was going to get us from really call it, um, you know, a few hundred thousand in revenue to five million by the end of 2019. Wow. So let's switch gears away from health joy and talk about the healthcare industry benefits industry as a whole, because I think we've set the stage, Justin and Doug, you've built this company from the ground up. You've learned so much about benefits and you had to do it in kind of a, a quick way, but we're still learning. And I think you can call yourselves benefit experts, healthcare experts, industry leaders at this point. So I'm, I'm interested to hear like what challenge going forward are you most excited to tackle over the next few years? Sure. I think, you know, I think the, um, look, I think it's a challenge that is on the backdrop of every single renewal discussion over the last couple of years. Um, the real discussions that, are, that happened this last quarter is that, the, you know, cost, 
you know, it's not sustainable for a cost to increase above inflation for forever, right? Like it just doesn't, just fundamentally won't work, right? And I think that the, um, you know, I think while it's a very, very challenging problem, um, it's a it's a problem that I think ha is exciting because it's it's such a vital part of, you know, not just, um, you know, not just, a, you know, obviously the bottom line of a, of a customer in the P&L, but, you know, the livelihood of individuals who are able to, you know, should be able to exercise that right to be healthy. And so I think that that's, um, you know, something that, that we, that I get excited about. I think, you know, I know Doug gets excited about it. I think our team gets excited about it, is that I think that when we look at it, cost is the major prohibit, you know, one of the major prohibitive um, items of, of getting care um, in the United States. And, you know, I, while, you know, and the backdrop is these this massive cost inflation, uh, we know the, you know, the premiums for, you know, most, you know, if if not all, for some, some for some of our broker partners, um, some of the hardest renewals they've ever had, right? Because they're they're going in there and 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 we know what happens when there's a high renewal or a high, you know, that that comes in. What happens? Huge cascading amounts of challenges, right? Now we have to start thinking about change management. Now we have to talk about changing networks, changing funding, and. All of that stuff is hard, and it's at the worst possible time for for our broker partners when they're you know they 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 have all the customers having the same issues at the same exact time, right? So it's all concentrated in this one this one moment, and so I think you know we, we see our you know our challenge is well we want to we obviously want to help decrease the cost long term, but but how do we help do that because we know that it's not just, we can't just look at one claim and be like, hey, that's the one thing we're going to do because there's a lot of other companies that are doing that and they're doing it really, really well. But how do we make sure that the individual and the employee is getting to those? How do we make sure that we're having, you know, that our brokers are putting the best of breed um, solutions for specific um, areas of those claims? How do we help them deliver that message and then change, help drive that change at the employee level? Because our job is delivering that last mile of that strategy they have. And so, you know, while we have to do a lot of things, we have to do a lot of the things we have to build have to be for the broker, um, to be candid. And then, you know, secondary, a lot of things for the customer because they they are um, a the the most important part of the championing to the employee. And then we finally get to grading consumer grade technology for the for the member that has to be, you know, they have expectations that that is like Amazon or or um, or Uber. That's as easy. Right, they're not happy when it's not that simple, and unfortunately, healthcare has typically never been that simple. But we want to make it that simple for them, um, and so we have to look at this full value chain in order to get to the out, you know, that that final um, outcome. Um, and I think that's um, it's kept us in this seat for ten years, right? Um, and I think you know, Doug, we we Doug and I are continuing to be excited about that 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 problem every day. Yeah, definitely. Um... It's the the multi-stakeholder environment of healthcare is is for sure um, one of the challenges. Is I think Justin did a great job of describing that. Um, I think the other interesting challenge is just the lack of transparency and data just continues to persist in in the space because the the way we look at it 
we want to be able to provide the most personalized experience to members as possible. Um, ultimately, that's that's what's going to drive engagement. Engagement ultimately is what's going to drive outcomes. Uh, but you know, it's been it's been challenging, and I'm happy to say we've made a lot of progress in this area. There's still a lot of challenges just to get claims data um, in in this space. Um, and, you know, as a result of that, we've, we've also innovated in areas, um, and, you know, have really kind of relied more on the member to provide us with, you know, more information about what's going on with regards to their personal health. Um, but I, I do believe that, you know, just overall, whether it is the pricing or transparency um, associated with uh, with quality. Um, that's been an inherent challenge in healthcare. Um, there's pockets of where that data is available, but by no means is it ubiquitous. Um, I'm I do believe it's going to get better uh, over the course of time, but I think that's also what's what's really you know kind of made it challenging for anyone to to come in and and truly dominate um the space and, and innovate quickly because you really you really do have to um almost build it yourself uh there there's no just kind of ubiquitous database that's going to provide you with all the information you need for sure well thank you guys for being here today it was great i loved hearing about how you started health joy i loved hearing about some of the challenges that you faced um it's great to hear that there's a company that one, you know, was at one point focused so much on the member versus cost savings to the employer or um, even like just, you know, so focused on what the employer is offering versus how can we help the member get to where they need to go to live a healthier life. So I, I totally believe in this mission. I, I'm super excited. This has invigorated me for 2024. <laughs> Um, so thank you guys so much for being here. I'm super excited to launch this podcast. Thanks, Libby. Appreciate awesome. it. Thanks, Libby.